welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. It's tough being a Florida Gators football fan right now. When the season started, fans were excited to see what type of improvements Billy Napier brought to the team, and they were curious to see how good Anthony Richardson really was. After opening with a big win against number 7 Utah, things looked great. Then, a crushing loss to Kentucky for the third time in five years exposed Richardson as a young quarterback with a lot to learn. A flat performance and a close victory against heavy underdog USF this past weekend left everyone scratching their heads. This Saturday, the Gators faced their toughest test yet, a surging Tennessee team in front of 100,000 fans at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. A win puts Florida at 3-1 and 1-1 and one and one in the SEC, but a loss means the rest of the season is essentially a building exercise with an eye toward 2023. So what Florida team will show up? And what might we expect against the Vols? To bring us his sage wisdom and analysis, I welcome back Gainesville Sun columnist David Whitley to the podcast this week. David has been spot on in his analysis and will fill us in on what to expect the rest of the season with the Gators. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. David Whitley has a keen eye for football, so when he talks, it's a good idea to listen. Let's bring him in now. David, welcome back to the podcast. Pleasure to be here, Tim. It's been too long. Absolutely. Well, you know, we got the 100th episode coming up soon, so I think I'll have to have you on because you've definitely been one of my most frequent and favorite guests. Oh, I, I am honored. I, I feel sort of like uh, who was who was Carson's favorite guest all those years? He always brought him on. Oh, it's, it's escaping me now, but he was like, uh, oh man, I, Don Rickles. Don, yeah, maybe I, I'll be Don Rickles. I, I, although you can't get away with Rickles shtick anymore. So I, I can't insult anybody, any especially you know any particular ethnic groups, which is you know Rickles made his made his diamond for years in Vegas. So uh, I forget the whole Don Rickles thing. I, I'll just be the straight man. Well, right now there are a bunch of nineteen-year-olds listening to this podcast, googling Don Rickles. So maybe we've done some good here today. They will, yeah, they will be doing themselves a favor if they Google because because th- there's nobody working like him anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's get down to some football here, David, because, you know, we've got the volunteers coming up, Florida going to the hostile territory of 100,000 people at Neyland Stadium. But before we get to that, we got to start with the elephant in the room, and that's Anthony Richardson. What happened between week one and the last two weeks where he goes from this Heisman hopeful making beautiful throws to someone who looks confused, frustrated, out of sync, and throwing laser beams everywhere that aren't hitting their targets? Yes, he is confused and out of sync. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just him. It's the whole offense, uh, although it starts with him. Uh, you know, um, game one, part of the reason was that it was game one and Utah had no tape on on Florida. On uh, You know, they had some on very little on Anthony to begin with, but he's in a totally new offense and they didn't know what, what was going to happen. I mean, it's Napier's first game, too. Uh, so they, they went out there and. 
you know, his biggest play was when you know they were playing some man-to-man defense and, and nobody was looking at him and he and he just tucked the ball and ran it uh ran it for 45 yards for that score and you know i mean and you know game two though kentucky had some tape and not only had tape it you know it, it has a really good defense and probably the best defensive coach in in the sec which is saying something uh in in mark stoops and they you know they basically said look anthony if you're going to beat us with your with your arm, not your legs, put a spy on him and you know made him pass. And you know he is still, as they say, the proverbial work in progress uh, when it comes to making his reads and, and making decisions and and dissecting a, a, a secondary. And he's just not there yet when it comes to that. Uh, and so he struggled. And you know, and part of it is he plays best when he's just free flowing and and and. Mike is just out there having fun, and he did that. You can see he was just exuding confidence against against uh, Utah, and he was started second guessing himself against Kentucky. Made a few bad throws early, lost his confidence, and he, you know, when you're he's free flowing, he's running the ball with abandon. Now they've uh, they've sort of put the the governor on that because if he runs too much, you know, the more he runs, the more likely he's going to get hurt, and once he gets hurt. I mean, it, it's game over because they got nobody behind him. So they've sort of told him, you know, don't don't go overboard with the running stuff. Uh, they they're just struggling right now to find a mix with it. And you know, frankly, he's not getting any help from his receivers either. I mean, it, people figured it was going to be a mediocre lot of receivers, uh, and th- there are no game breakers there. They haven't really been been helping it out uh, at all. And you know, uh, Billy Napier mentioned yesterday, you know, they they got. They got to run more precise patterns, and I mean, they got to get open better, more too. So it's just a combination of things. Back to Anthony and and how he he just he's more confident than he than he was last year, and he looks more comfortable comfortable in the pocket at times. But he's still you know, he's still developing when it comes to just the finer points of quarterbacking. Well, yeah, absolutely. And with Kentucky, one thing where I can't figure out is how did Mark Stoops never get a better job than Kentucky? I mean, now he's beaten Florida three out of five years, so it's just crazy. But, you know, you wrote a great column after that game where you said that Florida truly is still in the baby stages. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't expect too much out of this team this year. Richardson's got four starts under his belt career and his fifth one this one's going to be tough because a hundred thousand fans in Neyland Stadium Florida was an 11 point underdog last I saw does that number seem right and how do the Gators stack up against this much improved Tennessee team uh no that number doesn't seem right I, I think it's actually a little low based on what we've seen so far I mean, I mean Tennessee is just smoking people right now uh yeah I mean I I think that you know they beat they beat the two the two uh, uh, sort of cupcake teams by a combined one twenty two to six or something like that, and then they had a really nice win at Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it it starts with their QB. I mean, Hendon Hooker, he he is he is what they wish Anthony Richardson would be. I mean, the, the guy, I think he's thrown like two interceptions in, in his past four hundred passes, uh, and they're loaded at receiver. I mean, they 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 just got it cooking right now, and you know. I, <laughs> Obviously, the, Gator, the Gators don't. So it it is a tall task that, look, that they are looking at on Saturday. Well, yeah. And when you look at it, you know, that last year's loss at Kentucky and Lexington, there were 60,000 fans in that stadium and they caused eight false starts for a very undisciplined Florida team. Well, this is another young team. There's going to be 40,000 more people than that. You know, how are they going to handle that type of pressure and noise? 
Uh, one advantage they have is that they they have heard that kind of noise before. Of course, it was cheering for them, not against them. But at least it won't, won't be totally foreign to them. Like you know, some of these teams come into into Florida Field and you know they've never played in front of that kind of crowd. So I mean, the Gators will have that going for them. And they've done the usual stuff. I mean, they've been pump pumping in uh, you know crowd noise and and fight songs at practice, trying to you know get get the guys used to the used to the decibel level. And they're they're working they're working on the silent snap counts and all that kind of stuff that you usually do. Uh, so you know you prepare as much as you can, but yeah, you're right. When you get there, it's a different thing. Although you know you point out discipline does have something to do with it. And and I you know I don't care if you if you're playing inside a 747 engine, you should never have eight false starts, <laughs> which they had last year against Kentucky. Uh, and I I don't think they'll have that because they are a little bit better disciplined. And uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you haven't seen them doing a lot of jumping off sides this year. But I mean, yeah, it, it is still going to be hard. And you know, anybody who thinks that yeah, it's not going to be a factor, they're fooling themselves. Yeah. And, you know, wh- when you're looking at this Tennessee team, too, since Josh Heupel's been there, they've obviously been on the rise. He has been, you know, taking over a program that really kind of fall into the depths, especially for what volunteer fans want. You, you mentioned last week they beat Akron. I think it was 63-6. to six. So aside from their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, what does Tennessee do best? Is it their defense? Do they have running backs that Florida fans should know about? Is it their receivers? Uh, you know, give us a quick rundown of what you like about Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, uh, receivers are, are studs. I, I couldn't name them all now. But uh, I was reading some, someone, other coach said, man, that's the best set of receivers I've seen in, in America this year. I, you know, it may, it may be a little hype there, but but that's definitely not a weak spot. You know, I mean, defensively they sort of get a a raw deal because they give up a lot of points. But you know, Tennessee likes to get you know they love a shootout. They they, they would like they don't want to win seventeen to, to to fourteen. They they want to win forty five to twenty eight. And and so their defense is always you know uh, sort of having to rush back out on the field because it's a quick strike offense and play and they're playing having to play offenses. They're throwing the ball most of the time trying to keep up with with the scoring that Tennessee's been put on. Um, so I think the defense is, is adequate uh, enough to keep, you know, to keep teams contained. Uh, but it, it, it is, it is all offense there. And just the quick strike, the, the pacing that you had. I mean, I mean, Heupel, it is sort of funny uh, how, you know, he, he, he was an assistant with, with a pretty good resume and went to UCF and did real well. And that was a jumping off point for him to a big time program. And that sort of reflected the guy who was before him at UCF, Scott Frost, who was a highly regarded assistant at Oregon and got the job at UCF and, and went undefeated. And I mean, he looked like, you know, the second coming of Newt Rockney, but he went to Nebraska and, you know, he's like the, you know, the second coming of, of Rich Kotite. Um, you know, he's just terrible. And, and then, but, but they were, but Nebraska was so psyched to get their, their uh, home, homegrown son back, you know, high pull, he went to UCF, uh, went from UCF to to Tennessee just because uh, Tennessee hired UCF's athletic director, and um and so and so you know and so White just got up there and he and he's I'm going to bring in my guy from UCF and and Tennessee fans are like oh, you know who's Josh Heupel, and you know, he had to win him over and boy he has done that because you know he, he has proven he you know he is sort of like the anti Scott Frost when it comes to to parlaying his success at UCF into bigger things. And we might also add that Tennessee's athletic director is basketball coach Mike White's brother, correct? That's right. Oh, yeah, yes, he is. Uh, and and yeah, you know, I I think he would really love love the, the White family would love nothing better than to see Florida get drilled because because uh, uh, he 
he and and Florida and back when he was at UCF, there was always these 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 sort of tiffs over whether uh, they would play home and home games with the Gators. And he said, we don't, you know, we deserve to play a home and home, not, not these two for one things. And, you know, Florida wasn't going to do that against, against a, a group of five team because that's its policy. It wasn't going to do that. And and so, you know, it, it had a, they had a pretty good little rivalry, uh, or at least, the, and, and it's soaked the fans for a long time, you know, getting up. But, but uh, yeah, the, the white family, you know, and of course we all know how Mike White didn't quite work out at, at Florida and he's at Georgia now, so I, I I would think that that somewhere you know, and and their their dad is the the former AD at Duke, so somewhere this this uh, Saturday, probably in a skybox at Neyland Stadium, somewhere that the White family is really going to be pulling for the Vols. Well, you and I should also be uh, you know as lucky as Scott Frost. You do a bad job, you get fired, and you get fifteen million dollars to walk away from your job. So I'll, I'll be able to get fifteen dollars. I don't know about you. <laughs> I wouldn't even get the 15, so you'd be lucky there. But moving on, let's talk about, you know, last week they had, the Gators only had 45 offensive plays, which against a team like USF is really kind of unacceptable. 27 were runs, 18 were passes. And the only thing you like about that ratio is because I feel like they tried throwing maybe a little too much with Richardson early on, but they they need to do more on offense. So how will Montreal Johnson, Naquan Wright, Trevor Etienne, and the run game do against this Tennessee defense? And do you think they're going to try and let Richardson and throw it around more, or will they be more conservative unless they fall behind? Yeah. Well, in a perfect Gator world, uh, the guys you mentioned, Etienne, Montreal Johnson, and Naquan, would each run the ball about 15 to 20 times, <laughs> and Florida would control the ball with its running game for about 42 minutes and keep Hendon off the off the field. Uh, now, unfortunately, you know, Hypo, we you know, knows that that's what they want to do. So, I mean, ten, you know. People know the mo on Florida. You know that 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 their strength is running. So you got to stack the box and make Richardson beat you. So I mean they'll try to do that. I mean, but you know Florida certainly can't abandon the running game. I mean it it has you know that is its strength, and it's almost like you, you need to you know even even if it doesn't work, you just got to keep pounding. You know, and just work in enough passing to to keep them semi honest. Uh, and because because I mean let's let's face it that's the only dependable part of that offense right now is the running game I mean they were, the offensive line has done well um, blocking and you know like I said the, the backs that you know they've all shown they can play I mean Etienne's been sort sort of like the real revelation the last three games I mean he he looks for all the world like his like his big brother you know he's playing for the Jags there uh, so I mean they 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 got to just figure out the right combination to sort of to, to emphasize that but also just keep Tennessee off balance enough and that that's where Richardson you know and and getting him comfortable enough to where he can make make some 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 passes you know but I mean they have just it's just been a strong I mean I don't think they they have uh it hardly in maybe two or three passes deeper than than uh, 30 yards or 20 yards this year in three games and they are the I think only one of three teams in FBS that didn't even have a touchdown pass you know, you even you mentioned earlier. Let's say Richardson was to go down to injury because he's not going to get yanked for performance. I wouldn't think. But who is next on the bench? Like who might Florida see a quarterback? Well, uh, you know, maybe you know, I think Spurrier goes to these games, so maybe he he has some eligibility <laughs> left. Uh, but no, it's tough because you know the 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 obvious number two was Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State, but he. He uh, he broke his wrist. I think his wrist, hand, something. I think it's uh, you know mid in uh, mid August. And at first they were saying he would be out the first two games, 
but now it looks like you know, it'll at least be you know early October before he's ready. Uh, but you know he 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 would be a you know the obvious guy. In fact, you know in a way it's sort of fortunate he's been out because the way that uh, that uh, Anthony's struggled the last couple of weeks, you would have been hearing some boos and said bring in bring in Miller, bring in Miller. He'd be designated as, as you know the second team QB is always the most popular guy on the on the team because he's the guy who who thinks oh, he can solve everything. Um, you know the second team QB now is Jalen Kitna, uh, son of former NFL QB John Kitna. Uh, yeah, and he, uh, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, I wish I could tell you how, how he's going to play, but you know, he's never taken a snap. And so, uh, you know, the, the last thing you want is to put in a kid who's never taken a snap you know, in front of 103,000 people at Tennessee. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, unless, unless Anthony goes out there and is carted off the field, he, he's, he will be out there every snap. Well, I might go to the wildcat with the three running backs you got there if Richardson gets hurt. You might actually, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that might be their plan C. If they put Kitten out there and he's overwhelmed or, or he just can't do it, then, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, you know, I would just hike it to Etienne every time and just say, hey, Godspeed, young man. <laughs> See if he can throw it like another Trevor that plays with another Etienne, maybe. No, hey, <laughs> it's working out, working out better than we thought so far <laughs> anyway. Did, did they really shut out the Colts? Not to change subjects, but I'm, I'm I'm still trying. You know, I thought I, I thought my eyes were deceiving me when I saw that score. No, I watched every minute of it, David. It really, really happened. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the Gators could use some of that magic this weekend. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the defense because yes, the Jaguars' defense was impeccable last week. Gators' defense. What I see out of this squad is not that they're not that good of a squad. Sometimes they're a little bit out of position, but it's kind of looking like the Gators teams of the past five to 10 years where they hold their ground for the first half, but you get so many three and outs, this defense just gets worn down in the second half and just can't keep up. So where have their consistencies been? Who's been their top performers and what do they need to improve on? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, they've been outscored, I think, 24 nothing in the third quarter and and in every game, you know, the second half, they have they have just worn down, uh, and you know th- that is you know Tennessee's mo too that uh, you know teams can hang with them, but eventually they just get gassed uh, under that constant pressure. Um, you know the the problem is they they have pretty good players front line. I mean uh, Javon Dexter he he's an obvious stud at tackle, uh, he, you know but he's double teamed sometimes triple teamed all the time. Uh, they have young guys next to him on the line who are trying to develop. Uh, they really were hurt last week with Ventrell Miller, the the starting middle linebacker, you know, fifth year senior. He was out all last year with the torn bicep. Came back and he, you know, he was their best player uh, the first two games on defense. Uh, then he he has a, as they say, a lower body injury. They don't specify what. So you know, it could be anything from I I, I you know a, a bruised hip to a broken toe. Uh, but but. Uh, they're hoping to get him back, although they haven't really said much about that. They may release some information later on, like tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, they really miss him. Not so much, I mean, from a physical standpoint, but also he's the quarterback out there. He makes the calls. And they were real. the communication was really off. And, and the guys who were placing, they're just young, but but they don't, you know, they're just running around. I mean, Shamar James is, has been starting. He's, he's a true freshman. Scooby Williams is, is a redshirt freshman. Um, they're really they're going to be really good players, but right now, you know, they just don't really they're out of position a lot. They don't know what's going, you know, what's going going on. Uh, so it it is a it is a challenge on that on that uh, defense right now. Uh, and they just you know 
they just got to develop some depth, but that's going to take some time. Yeah, well, hopefully they're going to figure it out this uh, this weekend in Neyland Stadium, but I guess we'll we'll wait and find out. So, you know, Billy Napier, he's starting to find out what a difficult world of coaching it is in the SEC. So how has he done in your eyes so far through three games? You know, what do Florida fans expect too much too soon out of Billy as well, like they do from Richardson? Oh, sure. Um, you know, uh, Florida fan, well, they're like every, you know, they sort of overreact to everything. I mean, Heck, some of them were ready to fire him, you know, in June when uh, when Miami was signing a bunch of recruits that Florida was wasn't getting, and then Florida, you know, I had a had a couple of really good weeks on the recruiting tra- trail. So you know, suddenly Napier goes from oh we blew it with this guy to hey this guy's this, you know the second coming of of uh, Spurrier, uh, and you know it's the sa- same thing. He you know he he you know it's almost un- uh, unfortunate he he did so well in his first game. People you know again they had the visions of Spurrier dancing in their heads. You know, I, I, you know, I think, you know, long-term they're in really good hands. I think he, he knows what he's doing, but you know, he, he, unlike the last two coaches who came in here, who got fired, you know, you know, uh, both McIlwain and, um, and Mullen, they, they had some pretty good players left to work with. Uh, you know, I mean, special McIlwain, I mean, Muschamp, boy, there's so many M's that they've hired later lately. So Muschamp left McIlwain with, you know, some great defensive players, and he he did enough on offense, you know. Uh, McElwain left left uh, Mullen with Kyle Trask, Kadarius uh, uh, Tony, and Kyle Pitts. I mean that alone, you know. I mean what what Billy Napier would give for those receivers, you know, he would give half his eight million dollar salary to have those guys. Um, you know, uh, Mullen, yeah, he 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 didn't really leave the cupboard full for him. It's, it's, and you know, it, it you just got to take a step back and and realize, you know, and he, and he said from the start, you know, this is this is a a a building plant, a project. Says, you know, I I think you know when you're looking at objectively that you know it, anything over seven wins this season would have to be considered a, a successful year. Uh, you know, I mean, right now they're two and one, which is where I I thought they'd be. Although I you know I I I didn't think UCF would be giving them the, the scare they did. So that's something to worry about. And and there, there's there's reason certainly reason as we've talked about to to be to be concerned about being two and two, but you know, I think long-term, you know, he knows what he's doing and he, he'll bring in, and the, the, it is, it does all start with recruiting and, he, and he's got it going there. And, you know, there's a learning curve for him too, even though, you know, he's, he's been around the SEC a lot. Uh, he hadn't been an SEC head coach till this year. And, you know, I, I think he's finding, you know, it's, it's not easy sort of matching wits with, you know, the Mark Stoops and all that. And you, you really got to be sharp and, 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 uh, but he 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 like Anthony is growing, but I mean I, I think he's growing in that role too. So I mean if I if I'm a Gator fan, you know I, I'm I'm still feeling you know pretty good about it. I mean there are going to be lumps, and and you know right now you just got to take them. Yeah, it's interesting you point that out because you went to the end of the alphabet with Zook, and then you came back with a Meyer, a Mullen, a McIlwain, and a Muschamp, and now they've moved one letter down the depth chart to N for Napier. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was I, I was trying to think, you know, who would be the next M coach they might have gotten last last, uh, last time around, and nobody really jumped out. So, you know, and as much as it pains Strickland to break the the M streak, which was I think an NCAA record, you know, he had to go with an N, which is the next next best thing, I guess. Oh sure, well, and you know, you you talk about their record. You look at a- after Tennessee. You got, uh, I believe it's Eastern Washington and Missouri, but boy, then you're looking at LSU and Georgia and things just kind of get scary for the Gators. So uh, hopefully we'll see that improvement. But like you said, you think about seven wins is probably something. And, you know, I mentioned in my intro, 
let's say you do lose to Tennessee. Does it just kind of become, let's start building and working on things for 2023 at that point? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they're doing now. You know, I mean, really, I mean, they're going out and trying to win every game, but, but, you know, they have their, yeah, their, their long, long-term vision on things. And, and, you know, it's, it's about developing, you know, these young guys, getting, getting them reps, getting, but, uh, you know, right now, just the depth of talent isn't, you know, isn't near what it needs to be to compete in the SEC. And that's going to take a couple of years. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of funny how, how quickly the, the script has flipped with this, you know, with Florida and Tennessee, like you mentioned, you know, they won 16 to 17, but I don't hard to imagine far either team winning the next 16 to 17 on, in this series. Oh, no, no. And yeah, well, Tennessee's last win coming in 2016. So it's been a while. But like we said, Florida is right now or, or they opened up an 11 point dog. So here's your prediction time. I know you said it, but probably not even enough. So if you're going to predict the final score, what would it be? I, I got to go Tennessee you know, 36 to 20. 36 to 20. Yeah, All right. They don't cover. All right. I'm writing it down on a scrap piece of paper here that'll be lost by the end of the week, but I'll hold you to it. Tennessee wants nothing more than to beat Florida. (laughs) It's been a long time and a a lot of tortured games for them, you know, and, and, you know, it it goes back, you know, uh, know, I don't know if you can, if all things trace back to Spurrier, but, but man, you know, he, he loved, he loved making fun of his hometown state. (laughs) Well, somewhere Phil Fulmer is just sticking a Steve Spurrier voodoo doll with giant pins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I, you know, the old, you know, you can't spell citrus without UT. You know, that's, you know, yeah, I, you know, I miss that because I, I, you know, God love, I don't think, I don't think Napier's ever going to have that kind of quip. It's just not his style. No, no. And let's not forget Peyton Manning never beat the Gators. And one of the greatest Florida football games I can remember was my freshman year, 1995, Florida, Tennessee at the swamp in the rain. And Florida had that big comeback and beat Peyton Manning, Danny Werfel. It was electric. It was great in the rain. Yeah. I mean, those are, I mean, that, that, as I say, third Saturday in, in, uh, in September was all just, you know, epic. Uh, so many times, and, and you know, there have just been some some fabulous games over the years, and you know, they there haven't been, you know, in, in the last ten years because it's just been domination. Because I mean, Tennessee's been so dysfunctional, and so I mean, the, I mean, that fan base is is rabid, and you know, they have been they have been looking forward to this for a long time. I tell you what, if if Gators go up there and and upset them, oh man, that that'll that'll be like like you know, a hundred Spurrier uh, uh, Citrus Bowl jokes you know, coming down on them over and over and over again, you know. Well, uh, let's look forward to see if that happens. All right, now it's time to have the real fun, David. It's trivia time. So the last couple of weeks, I've been torturing my guests with some trivia about the schools they cover. And, uh, you know, so I'll get you with the Gators. Last week, Tom D'Angelo, he went three and two. He pulled out an answer so deep that I was just completely shocked. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check that out. Carter Carl's up there in Tallahassee. He was two and three on the podcast before that. So here we go. Some Gator trivia. You ready for this one? Um, bring it on. We'll see. All righty. So this first one actually surprised me. Who is the all-time passing yards leader in the history of the Florida Gators? I'm gonna guess Rex Grossman. No, Rex was a little bit further down the chart. This is why it surprised me. I would have guessed Danny Werfel, but it's actually Chris Leak. Eleven thousand two hundred thirteen yards. 
Ah, yeah, I should have known that. But it, it shows you, you get a good system, you can plug a quarterback in there. Yep, because Warfel was second, Shane Matthews third, Tebow fourth. So, all right, here we go. Who is the Florida Gators all-time leader in rushing yards? Fred Taylor. No, Fred's fourth on the list. It is Eric Rett, who had 4,163 yards. Emmett Smith second, Neil Anderson third. Yeah, yeah. Emmett always rolls off the tongue, but then you realize he only played three years. Um, so had he had he stuck around that fourth, I think that 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 record might have been sort of untouchable. But you know, case or Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's see. Here we go. What receiver leads the Gators in all-time touchdown receptions? All-time touchdown receptions. I would say. Oh man. Oh, uh, 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 I, I, I got to go old school. Wes Chandler? Nope. He he wasn't on the list that I saw. Chris Doring at 31. Chris Doring. Yeah. Okay. Ike Hilliard and Jack Jackson at 29 are next. Yeah. Good player, uh, but definitely a product of a great passing system. And let me ask you, has anybody ever gone over five on these things? <laughs> well, I guarantee you, you can't probably get this next question wrong. Who's the better human being, Danny Werfel or Tim Tebow? <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, you, you got to call that a tie. I think, the, you know, if you were ranking them, you know, you'd have to go probably Mother Teresa, number one in the history of the world. Well, all right, now, you got to go Jesus, number one, Mother Teresa, number two, and a tie between Tebow and Werfel at number three. All righty. I will accept that. So you're one and three. We got one more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but again, Mother Teresa didn't have a statue outside Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. The other two do. <laughs> there need to be more Mother Teresa statues outside of football stadiums. I've always said that. All right, here's a multiple choice question for you. What year did Florida accept Gators as the team mascot? Was it 1911, 21, 31, or 41? I am going to guess... 21 because that no no let me go the one what was the first first one 19 1911 1911 yeah i i think they probably did it early they looked around and said we better grab gators before i don't know that 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 girl school in in uh in tallahassee grabs it so <laughs> I, i'll go with 1911 1911 you are correct sir oh avoid Two avoided the, the <laughs> i have avoided to read the, you the, the ignominious one and four I have to read you this great description that I found of how they ended up with the Florida Gator mascot, if you've ever wondered. You wondered. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. So it said, unlike most schools, Florida did not adopt the Gator as its mascot by a school vote or by the suggestion of the coach or faculty member. Instead, the Gator was chosen by the Miller family of Gainesville. Philip Miller, who owned a store in Gainesville, visited his son, Austin, in Charlottesville, Virginia, where Austin was a law student at the University of Virginia. During the visit, the Millers went to the Mitchie Company to purchase some pennants and banners for their Gainesville store. They were shown examples of colleges with mascots to determine which design he wanted to sell, and when asked what the mascot was for Florida, they realized at the time the school did not have one. 
Austin, who is not even enrolled at UF, decided that the Gator would be a good choice as it was a native of Florida and no other school had it as a mascot. He then found some photos of Gators in the University of Virginia library and provided them to the Mitchie Company as the manager admitted he had never seen an alligator before. So that's, you know, wow. Yeah, I, I sort of pride myself on such trivia, but that one blew me away. I, I To think that, you know, so... I guess it's a good thing his son wasn't like going to law school in, in Australia because he might have named them the kangaroos or something. <laughs> well, the, the one last paragraph says, Philip then returned to Gainesville with pennants and banners to sell in his shop with gators and a variety of poses. The pennants and banners came in the Florida school colors of blue and orange, and it was rumored to be the first appearance of the alligator as the school logo. The school's football team began using the gator nickname in 1911. And if you're wondering where that pearl of wisdom came from, I found it at Bucky's Fifth Quarter dot com. Man, I think it was always just the shortened gators and they were called the alligators. Apparently not. Nope. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, gators is cer- certainly better and puncher than saying alligators, you know, but uh, but man, that that's that's good trivia right there. It'd be, I, be I, interesting to know if the University of Virginia library still, you know, has that encyclopedia that had the picture of the alligator in it. Yeah. And I mean, it's true. He he got it, you know, something native to Florida. And, and when you think about it, it'd be gators or, or, you know, I guess mosquitoes, but that would have been a, a really, really bad mascot. <laughs> All right, David, is there anything else you want to get in front of the audience about the gators or anything else before I let you go and tell us where we can read all your work? Well, uh, it's it's in you know Gainesville Sun, although basically it's just Gannett, uh, the, the all the fine Gannett papers uh, and and websites in the state. Some some of them run my stuff. Um, uh, and, and, you know, as far as other stuff in front of them, you know, I, uh, I'm just glad the, the, the queen has finally been laid to rest so we can get back to, to normal business. <laughs> well, I, hopefully you've got your flight reserved so you can go, uh, you know, go visit her at some point this year. Yeah. Well, you know, she was a big Gator fan. So in a way it's good. She didn't live to see the uh, USF game. It, it, it might've really bummed her out. <laughs> Well, there you go. So Gainesville.com for David Whitley and uh, and social media. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, David E. Whitley at David E. Whitley. That's that that that's my main social media outlet. I, I, I've yet I've yet to do the Instagram and all that and, and all that stuff just because I'm sort of I'm sort of a, a throwback. And I'm afraid that Vladimir Putin is writing all this down or the Chinese. And, 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 and I don't want to know everything about me because I have a lot to hide. Well, as soon as you release your TikTok of you doing break dances, please let us all know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, that, that'll never happen. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, again, thanks for coming on. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, Tim, my pleasure. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters. And to quote Gators legend Tim Tebow, you can't lose confidence in yourself or you've lost already. When you get knocked down, you got to keep getting back up. That just sounds like something Tim Tebow would say. I'm ready to run through a wall. Well, maybe it's just me. Thanks, and join us again next week.